The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and excited color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's the Four Horsemen. Russ McLam. Russ. Welcome. The last name sounds very Christian, McLam. That sounds like an 80s Christian that, I love singer, that. right? That, sound, yeah. that sounds like a like a megachurch franchise or something. Russ McLam. Yeah. Like, McLam is like the Jewish lamb church. McDonald's. And then you have lamb. like McLam campus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. I love you. <laughs> he, he probably doesn't care to watch this. Well, welcome, everybody. I've invited people from our church to watch this, so hopefully I don't get fired after this. But uh, welcome to the Four Horsemen podcast. It's been, what, two or three weeks since we've been around? Snow um, and COVID. Omicron. Omicron has hit people. Uh, Ray Brickhouse, who's usually with us, he uh, he's had some health, major health issues, not dealing with um, COVID, but thankfully he's on the mend, so hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks and Derek McCarson's dealing with some stuff in their church, but they dealt with Omicron. I dealt with it over Christmas. You guys had it, right? Ben? Uh, I was, I didn't test positive, but I got sick. So I'm yeah. just assuming that's what it is because the, uh, no other illness exists anymore. So <laughs> oh, <dear. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get banned from uh, Facebook. Well, that's that right. <laughs> just, oh, uh, dear. yeah. <laughs> It'll fa- no, it's gonna fact check. Oh, we're on, we're on we're on Facebook instead of YouTube, so we can use words like ivermectin, I think, and, and not get shut down. <laughs> oh look, they didn't, we'll they didn't need out. this. Yeah. <laughs> it's fact, dead. The fact check thing pops oh, up. Dear the right. fact check. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting several weeks. I mean, we dealt with the snow. We got snowed in last week. Did you guys have fun sledding? Yes. Did y'all do sledding? I a did little, sledding. a little bit. Yeah. I, I let my kids go outside. I don't. I like. Um, you don't eat, participate eat. in the joy of their lives, Ben. I I like hot chocolate <laughs> when it snows. You're waiting on them when they come in. Help them get undressed and get warmed up. No, that's the nice thing about them being a little older. I'm just like, here's a basket for all your junk. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't, help, help don't drip in the floor. The tea kettles over there. Knock yourself out. You know. I did dominate in a snowball fight with the community kids. So good. And I, and I had a great conversation shoveling the driveway with my neighbor who is a worship pastor at a uh, Romanian church. So that was a, that was an interesting, they're very Calvinistic, which I did not know. So that was fun. Oh, really? I thought a lot of them are more free will. No, he's not. Wow. So, okay. I mean, it was just, when you come from a country, you just got the Bible and not a bunch of church grace (laughs) stuff. That's kind of what you end up with. (laughs) Oh, but it it was a great conversation (laughs) and uh, had fun with that. So, uh, obviously, the Ben Squareds are here today, and we have a special horseman here today. This is Nate, who is the Instagram king oh, for dear. Barberville <laughs> Baptist. He's the social media specialist, also known as the church administrator. Yes, sir. Um, he did say before the podcast came on that he did write the sermons. So, okay. Barberville mm-hmm. Baptist. No, um, no, the he... camera was not on. <laughs> <laughs> I am not liable. For anything, anything can be held against you uh, on the Four Horsemen podcast, but we're we're, we're glad he's jumped in to pinch it. Uh, my wife writes my sermons, not Nate. So, oh yeah, Oof. no, she's probably a better preacher than I am. Uh, so you can run. I, I tell people all the time that's everything we try to do. It doesn't matter if it's like a board game or you know parenting or like anything. She's like better than me at it, except preaching, and that's only because she's not allowed. Right? She would be so, if 
Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, if you let her, she'd probably do a better job at yeah, that. If too, women you know. could preach, none of us would have a job. I I, I would I would. <laughs> well, yeah, Nate still would. <laughs> Nate would still be the instant that happens king. in some churches. <laughs> <laughs> that happens in some be. churches. The women start preaching, and then there's not a church anymore. Oh, <laughs> you can be <laughs> SBC president. Oh. <laughs> Did I no, say that? <laughs> I would well, say okay, but who who would want it? We're spicy this week. Oh my! Nate's kind of like, what did I sign up for? We uh, we've got all this built in. I'm his boss. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about getting fired. Sweet. So he kind of he kind of knows uh, what we're about here. So he's he got freedom. Your uh, you can let all your grievances out now. He's already said you've got immunity on here. So okay, uh, I, 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 I don't know. About that. <laughs> all right, let me get this out. Uh, so let's jump into uh, the topic. And uh, yesterday, or on Sunday, I should say, across the country, a lot of churches. Um, uh, uh, not, I shouldn't say celebrated, but uh, recognized Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which I, I realized uh, President Ronald Reagan started in 1984. And it was, I, I guess, as a remembrance of Roe v. Wade mm. um, and to kind of keep that in the forefront of the church's minds of Roe v. Wade. And I know there's some uh, legislation, or I don't know if you call it legislation that's going before the Supreme Court or is before the Supreme it's Court right now. Yeah, um, that's supposed to come out in June, correct? The ruling is so. supposed to come out in June. Yeah. So there's a lot uh, to do with the abortion topic, and so that's what we want to kind of dive into today. Uh, such a, a serious and somber um, discussion, and I know we did this several years ago, but I think it's always good to. I have this discussion and um, especially around this time of year, I know we're, we were supposed to host a, an apologetics, a pro-life apologetics conference at our church uh, last week, but because of the snow, it's been postponed until April. So hopefully uh, we'll have that back on the books. So be on the lookout for that. I know you guys had uh, Christy Brown, who is the uh, chairman, what is, what executive, is director executive director of, director of, of yep. Mountain Area Pregnancy Services you guys are going to be hosting groups here. Mm -hmm. So our church has hosted groups. So uh, we're very active oh, yeah. in the fight against um, abortion. And uh, But I want to begin today, and I'll, the, the way I want to kind of lead this discussion is kind of to, uh, I'm not taking a pro-choice position. I'm just going to be giving some of the arguments that we hear, and then I'm sure we can discuss some other things. But here we are uh, for men talking about abortion. So w that's one of the arguments you hear mm -hmm. as a man, which... Uh, what do you know about having it, children? Yeah, what do you know about having children? We should not have a voice into this discussion, right? That's something that you hear a lot of times, uh, even though those same people who are making that argument are saying, what is a man? And a man is, you know, you can wear a dress and you're a woman. So uh, we're not going down that path. But so what gives us that right uh, to have the discussion or to tell a woman, quote unquote, and we're going to get to this part in a minute, what a woman should do with her body? What, what gives us the right to even have this discussion? Well, I would say from a male perspective, one out of every two pregnancies is a little man. So can we speak out for the little men, you know, and, and, and for their lives? And on the other side of that, I mean, even as a woman, we're fighting for women. We're fighting for little women. One out of every two pregnancies is a little woman. So in reality, men or women, if you're fighting against abortion, you're actually fighting for women's rights and men's rights. Right. I would say arguments don't have organs. 
<laughs> so there's cruder ways to say that, but um, because we believe in objective truth, uh, facts are facts, whether you think they are or not, your opinion is irrelevant right. compared to facts. And so if somebody wants to say, I can't make an argument for an, for abortion, okay i mean uh if you just want to ignore facts that's fine but uh i'm not making i'm not making an argument based on my gender or sex which is the same thing by the way um i'm not making an argument based on that i'm making an argument based on logic and things like science and philosophy and religion and so it's like if you disagree with my philosophy then disagree with me philosophically if you disagree with my science disagree with me scientifically you don't get to just write me off because, you know, well, you're a man, therefore you have nothing valuable to contribute. And I could be, I could say, well, you're a pagan, so therefore you have nothing valuable to contribute. You know, or, or I mean, if we're just going to do that, okay, well, I guess the conversation's over. But it's like if we really want to talk about the issue, which is part of the problem because people don't really want to talk about the no, issue. But assuming that we really want to have a conversation about the issue, then let's lay our arguments out on the table and and evaluate each other's arguments on their own merits and just say, uh, is this wrong because I made a logical mistake or is it just wrong because you don't like me? Because that's, I don't accept that as a valid reason to, to not hear what I have to say. Right. And also one of the things, if you reverse it, right? Like if I were to speak for abortion, they're not going to make that same argument. Right. They're, they're not going to say I, they're going to approve my ability to right. speak on the topic. You're an ally for women. Right. So it has nothing yeah. to do with my gender. It mm -hmm. has everything to do with my argument, as you said. And um, I think what you said is true is what I've learned with people who are pro-abortion. They're like, I'm not pro. Yeah, you are. Um, who are, who are pro-abortion. Why are they so afraid of that label? Well, no, if it's abortion not pro-abortion. Okay. It's pro-choice. Right. Because we don't want to use the word abortion because then people remember see, what we're talking that's about. That's exactly right. See, they're afraid of the label. I mean, if it's okay, it's okay. Why Why are you worried about pro-abortion or pro-choice? It's the same thing. Right, yeah. You know, so they're proving our point by the same being thing afraid with, of that label. Yeah. I, I respect somebody that says that they believe that abortion is killing babies and they still uh, support it. I actually respect that person more than somebody who uses euphemism. I'm um, right there Because the reality you. is, is like if you're a consistent atheist and you're like, I don't think there's anything morally wrong about killing uh, another human being or another baby. I'm like, you're actually I, consistent. Yeah. Probably. I think that's, I, I think I, that's a problem, but we mm -hmm. can at least have a conversation then because you're being honest. You're Whereas honest. if you're using euphemisms and you're talking about a fetus or a clump of cells or whatever, it's like, okay, cut through all of that. And let's just talk about what the issue really is. We, everybody knows that it's a baby. Yep. Everybody knows that. That's right. So let's just get down to it and talk about the real and issue. We're going to get into some of that in just a minute, because we're going to use something that I've always used in pretty much every uh, uh, argument that from a pro-choice person falls under this four categories. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, as we were just talking about the, the other side of that, that men should not have the right to speak into to women's issues. Well, if I speak out against rape, a woman getting raped, well, they're not going to be against that. If I speak out against anything that harms human beings, they're going to pretty much be okay with me doing that. Except. Except abortion. And um, and also when it comes to, I've also heard the argument, well, if you've never done it, like if you've never had an abortion, then you can't speak on it. Well, then, well, if somebody's never been raped, well, that person who's never been raped can't speak that it, doesn't flow the standpoint epistemology yeah. is the same as race racial stuff and everything else yeah you know? mm -hmm. right you're, so, you're white so what do you know right you've had an easy life your whole life because you're white <laughs> yeah 
So, so that's one part of it. Um, the next part, and I, and I threw that in there is, um, you know, a woman should have the choice to do what she wants with her body. You hear that probably more than any argument. I agree with that. I do too. hundred percent. One hundred percent. I agree with you. It's funny you Define say that. Though. The, diff- <laughs> the, diff- the difference is, is that even scientifically, a baby is not a woman's body. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, that's easily proven scientifically. But even further than that, it's ageist to imply that women under a certain age don't have the same rights as women over a certain We're age. We're going to get there mm-hmm. in just yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I believe that all women, regardless of age or stage of development, have a right to choose. Right. They're about about their own bodies. Right. Yeah. So no. I would just say that I, uh, you could even uh, go so far if you wanted to be edgy to just say that I am consistently pro-choice because I believe that the choice applies to everyone, not just to people that I have decided are persons. Right. It's exa- well, and let's, let's go ahead and step into that realm, what you were talking about. Uh, I first saw it on Stand to Reason, um, the website Stand to Reason was the sled argument. Yeah. And we've all probably yeah. heard the sled argument. If you've never heard it, when I say sled, S-L-E-D, and, and every argument that I've ever heard from a pro-choice person falls under one of these categories. But the first the first argument that they make, the S, is dealing with the size. And you kind of hit on it a, a second ago. And kind of the way it goes is, well, it's it's just this, it's smaller than a grain of rice, or it's it's so small that you can't see. It's microscopic. Then then it's okay then, okay? Uh, that's kind of how that argument goes. What's the problems with that? Um, well, <clears throat> speaking as the youngest one here, I am, uh, I'm, I am smaller and less developed than, than, you, than you guys are. So that, uh, the, that that particular point wouldn't give anyone a right. So that means you're less valuable. That, than that means are, right? I'm less valuable than everyone. Am I more <laughs> human because I outweigh all of you? I think I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, how do we want to define that? Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I mean, the, if you carry the logic outside of the womb, which you have to, because you know, I mean, size obviously does not equate to value in a human in a human being. Then that doesn't stand. That argument does not stand. I mean, if that's one of the differences that ch- that changes me from non-human to human, then what, what's to say we can't eliminate two-year-olds because they cry too much? Right. They're smaller than me. They're smaller than so you. So they're less valuable than me. Or 80-year-olds. 80, 80 they're so developed that they're less productive, and so mm-hmm. because they can't produce as much for society, they're therefore less valuable. And that is dangerous logic. So we'll make that segue. So the next one is level of, de- de- level of development, uh, which is the L, and it's what we're hitting on now, and the argument kind of goes, well, the baby hasn't developed – uh, a heartbeat or the baby hasn't developed arms, legs, you name it. It, it hasn't developed enough, right? That's kind of how that, that argument would go. Um, so how do we discuss that? And we already kind of have, but let's add to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes, it goes back to the size. I mean, the level of development is the very, is the same. I mean, development does not equate to value. So the more developed you are, that does not mean you're more human just means you're in a different stage of the human life, right. you know. So I think it all goes back to the biblical perspective and understanding that God created us and made us, knit us together in our mother's wombs. The moment of conception, life begins. Yes, you're you're very undeveloped at that point, but you're still human. You never you never change from one species to another. No. It's not like I, I go from a turtle to a human at some point in my mother's womb. 
I'm human from the moment the sperm fertilizes the egg until the day I die as 70-year-old, 75-year-old. You, mean you were, you you mean, were being in that moment. That's right. You mean you're not just like you know, a goat or something. They're like, it's not a baby. I'm like, then what is it? Have you ever been on a farm? Like, that's not how this works. Well, and, and let, let's you be know, careful like, too. The this word, chicken, this it, chicken's going to lay an egg. Maybe a goat's going to come out. It's like, <laughs> really? I mean, it's the same kind of argument you're making. Well, it's not really a baby. What else would it even be? Like, well, you know, the word, just the word fetus is Latin for baby. Yeah. yeah small so child. even yeah. when right. they try to use the word fetus as devaluing, you know, the human to something else, they're still using baby, the word right. baby. They're just using a different language mm-hmm. to say the same word. So mm-hmm. I think that's important to remember too. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like the development is my daughter who is seven pre pubescent or what's the word? Pubescent. There we pre-pubescent. go. Pubescent. Um, is she less human than my wife? No, mm-hmm. not at all. Not at all. Bring in uh, development of disabilities. <laughs> you know, Hiller didn't have a problem. Uh, exterminating people like that because they weren't really people, and everybody's like, "Oh, you did you, <laughs> you whatever that fallacy <laughs> is? What is it like? There's like some fallacy where like everything ends up with Hitler or whatever." I'm just saying the logic's there, yeah. you know. Why not read Margaret Sanger? You know, yeah. Oh yeah, people uh, straight hey, into. Oh, you want to know what's racism. really creepy? Uh, do you know who else read Margaret Sanger? Adolf Hitler. That blew my mind. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It either. makes sense. If you, wow. if you go and if you go and look that up, because we we always think you know America is like the morally pure country, and like the Germans were really bad. If you go and look it up, like she was writing stuff that Hitler was reading. Well, it like, makes sense. He yeah. did, he just took it to the. He actually did it. Yeah, he was smarter in how right. he approached it because she's actually killed more um, minorities than Hitler did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you through yeah. her through through Planned Parenthood, so, so yeah, let's yeah. let's explain that for some. Yeah. People. What about LGBT? Yeah. Okay, if you're not able to reproduce, does that make you uh, less uh, developed than someone who's able to reproduce? Because we would say that uh, a person has to undergo puberty; they have to be fully sexually developed in order to reproduce. If that's how we're measuring value, and you're not able to reproduce in your sexual relationships, then therefore you're less valuable. Right. So then the LGBT community should have a huge problem with abortion because the logic that they're using would fundamentally uh, call mm-hmm. for their extermination. Exactly. It's the same thing uh, like with the black community. It, it, it is it is an incredible irony that uh, uh, that the black community would be supportive of an organization like Planned Parenthood, which was designed for their destruction. Oh, yeah. And when you and, look and at where they are. And strategically located yeah. for, for their destruction. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, like, uh, that's like somebody handing you a rope, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's like it's decimating. Why, why would you work with these people who yeah. obvious obviously are not? Mm. You know, we're for women's health care. I'm like, you're not for rich white women's health care. Where, where's the Planned Parenthood at in the in the rich white neighborhoods? They're not there. They're not there. Well, and you I know, saw people a, don't want to talk about that stuff, but I mean that it, it's the way that, that's the way that it is. Well, and I saw a thing the other day that was talking about Planned Parenthood, and I've heard I've had that argument from somebody I know that well, Planned Parenthood does more than abortion. Uh, that's statistically, the argument. But if you look statistically, like not really, they're also not legally required to report everything that they're doing. That's well, a horrible and, argument. And when you look at Planned Parenthood, plan when you look at the amount of pregnancy services, mm-hmm. right? Like in Asheville alone, I think I forgot how many there were, but there's so many, mm-hmm. way more pregnancy centers like Maps 
than Planned Parenthood. So people try to make the argument, well, Planned Parenthood is the only one. No, because well, where Planned right. Parenthoods are, are usually in cities, yeah, big right. cities. And pregnancy and centers like MAPS actually do provide women's health care. Yes. They actually care right. for the woman. Right. It's not an industry that makes billions of dollars over exterminating the unborn. Like right. Planned Parenthood is a business. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. It is not health care. Right. It is a business, yep. and it is a cash cow. I mean... Why else? And face, you... Facebook can ban us, but Planned Parenthood does sell baby parts. Yes, they do. 100%. Mm-hmm. They, yes, they, they do. actually do. Yes. Like, and they got caught. Everybody forgot about that after <laughs> five seconds because they're like, well, you're not allowed to take those videos. That, that, that's how they make their money. They got caught. They're, they're basically a farming organization. Mm-hmm. They're just farming baby parts. Well, and if you look at how they – and I saw a video a long time ago with Planned Parenthood <clears throat> that they'll say, well, only, only 5% of what we do is abortions. Hmm. Whatever, mm-hmm. but what they do is, I mean, Hitler yeah. did a whole lot of stuff other than exterminate yeah. Jews. I mean, but, but, the German economy was but that's awesome. just we twisting yeah. numbers no. and saying what they mean by that is okay, a woman goes in there for a visit, like a pre you know, okay, they count that as not an abortion, even though that's why she's there. Yeah, so then, well, there's there. a checkup, there's Good an update, then that. So well, why are they well, trying to cover? I mean, why why are they trying to say? But that's not all we do. Instead, they ought to be saying there's nothing wrong with abortion. Get over it. Right. But mm-hmm. they know there is something wrong with abortion, so they're always putting up the cover. They su- they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Hey oh, man, exactly. oh dear. Yeah, hey, you're that's right. Paul. Church administrator well, dropping the truth. Right, over. so right. that's right. So I know who's preaching next Sunday. <laughs> you, you know, you know, well, he writes them. So you I know mean, what else is a small percentage of services is is the the Uyghur Muslim concentration camps in China. Right. Mm. That's just a small percentage of the population. Just yeah. don't no look. Big deal, don't look right? over there. Yeah. Yeah. All the stuff that you're buying that's made by slaves and you know child slaves and all sort of kind of stuff and human trafficking and everything else that's just a small percentage of people it's it, we do a lot of other things well you know that all goes back to, you still Mar- got your to marxism collectivism communism you know what the greater good and you know anytime you look at philosophy from that perspective you're always hurting the minority the minority is devalued because they're not contributing to the greater good and thankfully christianity is all about the individual mm-hmm. the value of the individual not what the individual can give to the community but what the intrinsic value of the individual is from their creator and that's where all these these arguments deal with right I mean, okay so so what is uh where does a person receive their value from the reality is the bible has a completely different answer amen. from every other worldview and that, and and that's why you can try to debate with people about science and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day it's not really about science it's like it's like what Nate said a person is not pro choice because they think that the science just really points there strongly they're pro choice because they don't want a god telling them what to do with their exactly. lives exactly mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to is that Romans 1 says they know that god is there oh, yeah. they know that a baby is a person mm-hmm. um they're there is no scientific argument against something like that. Yeah. Um, so, it's yeah. just a matter of I don't want anybody telling me what to do. That's exactly yeah. so, right. So, so like, like primarily what you were saying at the beginning of what um, what gives us a right as men to be talking about this? Well, the Bible. Uh, we, we, start, we start off with God's foundation, and God's foundation is explicit that children are human beings and that they right. have value from the womb, that God has ordained for that to happen. You don't need any. Other, you don't need any other reason. You don't need any other foundation because any other foundation is subordinate to God's foundation. That's Y'all right. need to let him preach. He's writing them all. Let him preach. No, <laughs> no, that's good. But the next, the next, it's like, why do I not believe in abortion? Because God says. Yeah, that's yeah, that, mm, yeah, basically. that triggered. Yeah, um, size, level, of development. The E, the E is environment. Okay, environment. Now that that argument goes is um, 
in the womb. Our man, Michael Pittman. <laughs> hey, Michael Pittman. What's up, buddy? Um, he can agree with us oh, on yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So environment. So they will say a baby in the womb uh, is is different than a baby outside the womb. So they'll say unborn, unborn versus born. Uh, I've heard the argument made, which is, st- well, oxygen, the first breath. I've even had people try to use scripture. Well, he brought, you know, breath, yeah. breath is what. So you're saying the baby's not breathing? The baby's breathing the whole time. <laughs> That's it what requires oxygen to, to live. I mean, and any of the heartbeat, they, right. that's another one. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I don't care. Heartbeat, whatever, it's conception. So the, the moment that life is in progress. I like the way that, that uh, the rapper Tom McDonald oh, puts it, that, uh, you know, bacteria is life on Mars, but a heartbeat isn't life on Earth. Well, <laughs> <laughs> here's the man wow. got a point. The, the question I've always asked these people who've made that argument and they always like, this is what stumps them. So I'm not trying to get graphic, but when the head comes out mm-hmm. is the head human mm. and the rest of the body, not is the head valuable. It sounds yes. like the Pharisees and not, <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? Yeah. yeah but, I mean, that's the same kind that's of, that's what and they're like, Ugh. Uh, they get so stumped because that small, I don't know how many inches that's it like, is. That's like partial birth abortion. You know, mm. that's so much worse. It's literally no different. <laughs> the exact same thing. It's no different than a six-week abortion. You're yeah. doing the same stuff. No, yeah. that, that was definitely not too descriptive. I'm going to have to get ready for that. We, we, got a, we got a baby coming in the middle of March. Oh, so we gotta... there's no way to get ready for that, brother. No, no, I'll let you know. <laughs> Prayer, please. You'll understand when you're older. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm mean, going to have to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode to be like, you know, turn this off for your kids or whatever. Oh, yeah. But the <laughs> parental discretion. <laughs> right, advised. Yeah. Oh, so the last, the last in the D, and then, then we're going to get kind of, mm-hmm. we'll take it a little different. The D is dependency. Okay. And that, the idea is the, the baby is completely dependent on the mother for life. And I'll, I'll, I'll defeat that argument, right? At what age does a child stop being dependent on their, on somebody for life? Yeah. You leave a newborn, a, a six-month-old baby, just laying in the floor, it's going to die. Right. At what age? I remember, I remember Dennis, when we had this discussion the last time, Dennis was like, oh, my son still lives in the basement. I remember it's like, he said, <laughs> so, like, what age does a child stop being dependent on its parents for life? When it becomes dependent on the government. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Nailed it. Strategic. Nailed it. <laughs> well, in reality, you're always dependent upon something. Yeah. Every, everybody wanted yeah. to get. Everybody wanted to get those checks last year. All this independence <laughs> of I don't need. I don't need anybody. But like, you went and bought a car. That's right. That's why Ben has 25 kids. That's why. Yeah, yeah that's true. Hey, they ain't gonna true. take the money back, Ben. I hate to tell you, you that's might true. as well. Devil's it. had it long enough. <laughs> you might as well take it and spend it, brother. That's right. Tied it's off my, gra- it it's my it. great grandkids' tax money anyway. That's right. That's so right. they're gonna be the ones working. So I want to turn this to, and and I want to kind of share a brief thing for me personally. And this kind of goes to what you about having a kid is um. You know, I was pro-life, like, big time in high school. I actually had a bumper sticker on my truck that said, I am pro-life, and they used to call it the pro-life mobile. Um, (laughs) But I used to, I've always been, you know, a proponent of it. But it wasn't until our first child was born that it all, like, man, life is valuable. And, And a lot of people may or may not know, but my our firstborn, um, we lost my, my daughter was a twin 
and about four months in, we lost the other twin. Mm. And so uh, my wife actually delivered the first one, um, which was, it wasn't, it was obviously dead. And then my daughter was born at 29 weeks. So she was two pounds, 12 ounces. And so we had to go in an EQ. She spent 40 days in EQ. Mm. And so people who will say, who will make that dependency argument, she didn't know how to breathe. She didn't know how to eat. She didn't know how, I mean, she was completely dependent, but there's, she was, she's more valuable to me than anything, you right. know, and it, and, and it, as small as she was and to see the other babies up there who were struggling for life and to see the feeling that I had about losing a baby. And I'm sure other people have lost children. Um, you recognize how absolutely precious life mm. is and, and to see Nori now who's nine, who is thriving, who is amazing uh, to see her now and to think that, you know, what God did through all of that. Um, and for somebody to say, and I've even had people tell me, well, uh, you know, before 30 weeks, it's okay for abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, my 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 daughter was born at 29. Well, maybe 27 weeks. Like right? They, they yeah. move, they move right. the goalpost, man. Yeah. Life is valuable, and that's the biggest reason why I'm as pro life as I am because I've seen how truly valuable life is, and Amen. and you'll see it in March. You guys know it mm-hmm. uh, about how absolutely valuable our children are and how valuable human life is, and that's I right. that that's kind of my story, and that's the reason why I'm so passionate about it because yeah. it's like. Every life is valuable. That's right. And, well, and I think I think the other thing too that you see of part of the the miracle of birth, you know, uh, of like you said, seeing that. You know, I think my oldest is twelve now, and I think about when he was born as a baby. When you see, when you experience that, you recognize this is the same person, mm-hmm. right? Like I know this person in a different way now. My relationship with my son is way different now than it was twelve years ago, but he's the same person he always was. And even like, I can tell you uh, from having six kids, there are personality traits that my kids have now that I saw demonstrated even in the womb Mm. of just being frisky or whatever, you know? (laughs) Right. And, and it's, it's just kind of, it's different. And, and, and if you've had more than one child, you know, every pregnancy is different. Every, uh, it's different for the mom. It's different for the baby. Every child is different. You can't, uh, uh, all of my children are different. Mm, right. Uh, you know, I, I know people that have twins, and the twins are are different. You know, yeah. um, and so you you see that uniqueness. And again, to go back to the scripture, you know, uh, you have to suppress the knowledge of truth and unrighteousness to not see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you say, you know, well, I chose to keep my kids, but it's fine for that lady to get rid of her child mm-hmm. because it's not really a person. Um, that's uh, you're having to suppress something to make that argument because you right. you you obviously didn't make that choice, yeah. right. and you didn't make that choice because you had a reason. But you think it's fine for that person uh to to make a choice for another person? Yeah, you know that 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 amazes me. Is in an age of radical autonomy, it's like the only people that don't get to do whatever they want are babies. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and I think um in society at large, ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. That's why, obviously, Planned Parenthood doesn't want people to know the science. Right. You know, they they use the cell argument, the clump of cells argument, as long as they could. And then finally, technology got so accessible that now that argument, they're losing that argument. So now they're fighting, you know, more viciously than ever because they understand that science is now against them. It's kind of funny how a, a machine 
that has no preference or no perspective on life, an ultrasound machine. It's a can, game changer. It is a game changer mm-hmm. in the, in this whole field of discussion because an ultrasound just unequivocally will show you that that is a human being in that mother's womb. And when these young ladies see that, like Christy Brown from MAPS has said so many times, wow, that's not just a clump of cells like I've mm-hmm. always been told. That is a human life, and I'm going to keep my baby, mm-hmm. you know? And I forgot what the percentage is. It's like 90, it's 90 plus percent of women who see a sonogram. And I've been told that Planned Parenthood, they won't show you. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah. they will not. There's tons of ways to to obscure that whenever the technician's on it. Yeah, when the state law, North Carolina state law says there has to be an ultrasound done prior to the abortion. So what Planned Parenthood does is they do the ultrasound. But they do not show the mother the, the image on the screen. Turn off the sound. Bad for business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the truth. It's there. science, and yeah. they, you know, so, they only well, like science when and, it's their version of science. You can't, you, know? you can't deny it. No. As long as long as a baby is an idea in your head, you can deny it. But yeah. when what when you're looking at it, and you feel that baby moving in your in your womb, you can't you can't say uh, that 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 that's not a baby. No. You know what I mean? You can't look at that and, you know, oh, it's just, you know, like I said, you can't be, oh, maybe it's a duck. You know, it's like, no, it's obvious what it is. Mm-hmm. And even when they're really tiny, you can still see features and stuff like that. If this is a, mm-hmm. a small human being. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you can't, so, so can't deny it. So let's, uh, one of the other arguments that comes up, and I was going to bring it up because it's the one that everybody thinks they get stumped on is what if the girl is raped now? It's one of those things that people will say, Oh, that's such a statistical, it's such a, but it happens. Right. Okay. So how do we as pastors speak into that in a situation in which a woman is raped? very pointedly because I'm not a pastor and I, I haven't had to do that kind of counseling. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a Jeff Durbin's a fellow that I, I follow quite uh, often on this, yeah, on this particular good. topic. Yeah. Um, but he, what he says whenever someone brings that up is I'm not willing to punish the mother mm-hmm. for the actions of the father, for the sins of the father yeah. or the child or the child. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I haven't heard that, but that's kind of the thing I've always used. Like when do you ever give a child a death penalty for the consequences of their parent mm-hmm. for what their parent did? Right. Mm-hmm. That would be unjust. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. period. And, and then still going back to the personhood thing, it's still them. It's still them. Right. They're still who they are. Well, and here's the question is obviously the objective to uh, abortions and cases of rape is, t- is for the benefit of the mother. Well, does it actually benefit the mother? I mean, I think that'd be a good question to ask. Well, and I mean, and that's a whole whole other can of worms mm-hmm. that you, you don't hear a lot about is the many, many studies that are out there now about suicide, depression, substance abuse, all this stuff post-abortive that Planned Parenthood in these places will not tell you that, you know, the the statistics of, of you hurting yourself or dealing with severe guilt or mental illness is like enormous after you have an abortion. They never tell you about that stuff. He's got a member in his church that spoke on the steps of the Supreme court last week. Um, that was, she went through an abortion. I don't know if you want to share about that and she's open about it. She's fine with that. Yeah. 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 But she, yeah, she, she, she's named her little girl and 
she said her little girl would be 44. Yeah, that was, yeah, wow. I saw that. Yeah, and, wow. and she says, you know, but the, of course, Christ has forgiven her and has healed her from that, but she uses that just to reach young ladies to say, listen, abortion is not going to fix your problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have this unexpected pregnancy. You may have even had the tragic experience of being raped, but eliminating the pregnancy will not bring you peace. It will right. not fix anything. If anything, it'll make your life worse, Right. you know, um, and, and God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be fulfilled and satisfied in Him, mm-hmm. and uh, supporting life is certainly something that God is for. You know? Well, and, and when you think about that argument, I mean, obviously, we're all in agreement that rape is a horrible thing horrible. for anybody to have to yeah, experience. No and the idea of carrying carrying a child and having to feel that child move in your womb and having to care for this child knowing that it's the product of, of you being sinned against is extremely hard. I can't even imagine uh, dealing with that or coping with that. And so not to minimize it like, well, just suck it up. It's, you know, yeah. bad things happen. That's that's no, not the right response at, at all. all. And at the same time, uh, as believers, we have, we have a, a God who redeems. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't have that. So th- their answer is abortion will make you feel better because then you just it just relieves some responsibility from yeah. you. And then... Uh, since you don't have that responsibility, you do that, you get some therapy, you get on some medication, you'll probably be all right because that's the best that they have to offer. Right. Whereas we have a God who's able to provide healing, not only physically, but spiritually. That's correct. From from being sinned against mm-hmm. with something like that. He can actually heal a person's mind and can redeem that and and use that child for his glory, even though, I mean, the Bible's full of stories Right. You know, the the classic, you know, Joseph, you know, what what you intended for evil, God intended for good. That's right. Well, obviously, if somebody has been raped, there was a, a very evil intent. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only can we have uh, peace in knowing that God can still bring good out of that child's life because of his sovereignty, but we also have peace that that rapist will receive perfect mm-hmm. justice mm-hmm. Yeah. that our justice system can cannot provide either. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that person is going to have to stand before yeah. God. Uh, and answer for what they've done, and and God is free to do with that person whatever He likes, right. and so there's no court or judge or anybody else that's going to hold Him back uh, from punishing that person according to what they've done. And so we can we can take great hope in both of those things. That's right. Um, and that's also a role for the local church, so that uh, if that happens to that woman, what happens when she has no church family? She has no pastor. She has nobody to walk with mm-hmm. her through that. And that's where some of the so that's where churches need to link up with these pregnancy care centers yes. and say, hey, listen, y'all can offer some services, but this person's going to need a family for the long haul to walk mm-hmm. with them, yeah. you know, through that, the, through yeah, that child's no, that, life. That, that's a true religion, caring for widows and orphans in their affliction, the widows. Yeah, let, right. him, let him preach. Let him preach. I'm just no. Yeah, I mean, and, and you think and you think about when we when we talk about the the value, right? The yeah. the value of human life. There's a passage in Leviticus. Um, I was reading to my kids recently um, where the Lord says that uh, his opinion of, of widows and the fatherless is if you abuse them or if you uh, mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will kill you and your whole family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like They're no, important no chill at all of like, 
of I like like not even just you, but he's say, he's literally saying I'll even punish your children for your sins. Well, and that's if consistent you that. throughout Scripture. Yeah. I mean, you look all the way back to the Old Testament and Leviticus and uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, he ma- he made places for the orphans and the widows. I mean, he made concessions for them, and he made sure they were fed and taken care of. And that's a consistent right. throughout Scripture. And you and you th- yeah. and you think about when it comes to uh, how do you find your place? Maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, how do I find my place? in fighting this stuff and speaking the truth and supporting uh, the women that are keeping their babies and doing that. And of course there's a lot of different ways to do that. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a good street preaching guy. Like that, that's just not the set of gifts that God's given me. Now we've got other people in our church. They have been down to Planned Parenthood and they've mm-hmm. talked with moms and they're not screaming at people or being hateful, but they're, they're trying to, to have conversations with them about that. Nate's been down there before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be listening to this and saying, well, I, I don't know if I could be one of those people that's standing out there with a sign. That's fine. C- connect with these ministries and things. There, There's a, a million different opportunities, even if it's just prayer. I'm just saying, I just want to yeah. be committed mm-hmm. to just lift these uh, women up in prayer in these situations for God to intervene and, and pray for these babies. There's something that you can do. Well, and if you follow maps on Facebook, they'll, they'll post like pray for this situation, mm-hmm. pray. We've got these and and I've tried to make it a point to truly pray about it. And um, so just to continue on in this discussion, the, the the children born, the unwanted pregnancy, one of the things that I've oftentimes heard is, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to adopt all the kids, all the unwanted right. kids? Are you going to adopt them? The government I'll, lets us. I'll Isn't try. that a horrible <laughs> argument? Go for it. Well, I mean, and I've, I've had people do that to me too. They won't say abortion is okay. So the argument they use is, is, well, we need to fix our education system first. We need to make sure we take care of the children who are born first before we start worrying about the unborn. Well, in my opinion, that's absolutely insane. I mean, if we kill them before they can see the light of day, who cares about the education system? Who cares what they're taught? They're not even getting to see the light of day. So in my opinion, and I think that goes back to what you said, are you going to adopt them all? We can't take care of the ones we got. So now your logic is, if you're a drain on society, you should be eliminated, which... That's literally saying, that's literally saying, kill the poor kids. Yeah. The kids who cannot, who aren't going to provide anything for the society, these women that can't take care of these children, just Mm -hmm. kill them. They're too poor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're a drain on society. They're not uh, helping the collective. They're not helping... You know the the majority, mm-hmm. so let's get rid of. Here's here, here, here's part of the, here's part of the issue too, right? Part of the issue is is that there are barriers to adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a family in my church that's got foster kids right now. Mm-hmm. They would adopt them right now if the government would quit fooling around and kicking their court case down the road, because they're like, well, we want to give you know drug addict mom a hundred chances to try to get her life together when she's got a dozen other kids that she doesn't care about. Think of the difference in costs between an abortion and to adopt. Oh, it's way more expensive. 500 bucks for an abortion and how much to adopt. If you do, if you you do private, it's like 25,000 for like a private adoption. If you want a child from China or Mm -hmm. India. And, and, and that's something I had. That's yeah. And that's domestic adoption. That's like $25,000 for like a kid in your neighborhood. Well, and people, and and I didn't understand that because I always thought that was crazy. But what that is, is you're paying for the medical, the medical of the mother. That's why that cost is so high. Right. Um, so I think that th- there are some things, but like you said, like, and this is what I've always brought up is okay. So the unwanted children, you're saying that it's okay to kill them. Right. I've never heard a single person say yes, not a but one. That's the logical conclusion of yeah. what they're saying. They but don't want they're to go not there. willing to go to there. Yeah. yeah, you're right. They don't want to track their logic. No, you know, that's, that's why I love being a Christian, obviously. <laughs> 
because our <laughs> worldview is consistent. Hey, it, and it from works. From top to bottom, side to side, it always mm-hmm. works, and it's always the same. Mm-hmm. And anytime you get into it, a humanism, it shows you the foul, just the the inability for a human being to properly process life out away from God. As mm-hmm. a Christian, it's impossible. As a Christian yeah. who is pro-life, everything is on our side. It is. Science, logic, everything. philosophy, pretty much mm-hmm. everything is on our side. That's and right. that okay. is the positive. So, so the, pro- the, the problem is, and this comes back to a lot of other stuff that we've talked about, is government it cannot provide the solutions to these problems. Government is good at applying moral law across the board for all citizens that's what they're good at don't kill people uh rape is wrong stealing from somebody is wrong those are things that just apply across the board government's great at doing that any kind of precise thing or something that's connected to uh philosophy or personhood or the government is not equipped to handle any of that kind of stuff and 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 the church has conceded that to the government mm-hmm. because they got more concerned with building buildings than they did with families and so every church has got a half empty multi million dollar campus right now and the gov- and everybody's just living off the government doing whatever the government tells them they can do the reality is my family uh, is not eligible to be licensed foster parents because i have six children in my home and and uh, north carolina limits it to five children in the home so if somebody wants to tell me you know, well, if you really cared, you'd foster. Sorry, I can't. Your government says that I can't. Right, right. And and then the question is, is well, then all the Christians would have these these really big families if if adoption and foster care was just accessible to everybody, and they just had to take a, a free class or something, and then That's they great. could then they could adopt the babies. Well, nobody could afford to do it. Well, yeah, they could if you weren't spending the billions of dollars in social programs that don't work. To try to fund all that kind of He's stuff. Preaching over here. Yeah, I, know. I mean, <laughs> but 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 let's be real though. Yeah. What 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 would happen if DSS didn't exist at all? If they didn't exist at all, uh, would you have some crimes and some things that? Sure, you would have you'd have some of that happening. What if they what if they just handed over the keys to that to the church and just said, "Listen, we've dumped as much money as we can into it. We we went bankrupt a long time ago, and what can you guys do?" And we'll say, "Hey, uh, stop taxing us on that." And using our taxes for all these programs that don't work, put the money back in our pocket. I'll build a bigger house that's got more rooms in it, and I'll adopt three or four kids. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's gonna that goes to my last thing, and then I've got one more point to bring up. But the other argument that I often hear, and it's what you're discussing, is, and I hear this often, is that pro life people only care about the unborn. They right. don't care about people after they are born. Right. And, and yeah, because all those atheist charities, I mean, there's, they're really mm, doing a lot. Mm. Well, and so see, you, and so, so what I've oftentimes done, did with these folks who bring that up, I said, okay, let's have a discussion on how to care for people. But before we do that, let's say that killing them is not an option. Yeah, that generally doesn't help people. Like killing people generally no, is they don't want to have that discussion. Them. It's bad for your health. But you you started tracking down that path, and that's the that's the part that blows my mind with people. Well, pro life people don't care about people. When you look True. at everything out there, I mean, look at what our church alone supports. I I, I would be willing to bet we care more for people than you do. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean it. You know, all yeah, the major charities, <laughs> yes. all the major orphanages, yeah. all the major humanitarian organizations have Christian. And they'll find yeah. one. They'll find an atheist charity. See, 
See, we've gone. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, you you now contribute. You know, your, half of a your, percent your, of the world's charity. Your budget of ten thousand dollars a year. Right. A whole lot. Good job. No, you know. no, no. Straight. Up. Atheism does not create. It only appropriates. Right. Like true. Uh, mm -hmm. well, but it has to. <laughs> right. But it has to. It it it, ha it has no foundation to actually mm -hmm. create anything. And you can't have an atheist without God because it's made right. in the image. <laughs> it's made in the image of someone who can't create anything. Mm, that's right. That's wow. Right. But when yep. you like y'all said, when you look at when you truly sit down and look at the or orphanages the i mean just like in Asheville alone the homeless shelters the food pantries the i mean it's just all of these are christian based well, all even, of them when it's been said even an atheist would not want to live in a world without christianity yeah. christianity has softened the world and given it compassion and empathy yeah. and you know christianity it reflects the heart of god his yeah. attributes and he loves us he's merciful he's a good god and most atheists would not want to live in a world without Christ. No, you know. So, so, so check this out. Like to kind of get real practical with these things. If you're listening to this and you don't know what Families First is, go and look at what Families First is. So, Families First is this legislation that's it's working its way kind of through North Carolina now, okay. where the premise of it is. You know, it's better for a kid to be in a foster family, in an actual family, than it is in a group home. Now, who doesn't agree with that? I agree with that. I want kids to be in a real family, right? Um, and so, like the government does, they're like, hey, we've got a good idea. So, let's take all the money from, you know, the foster care or a huge portion of the foster care funding or, or the group home funding and put it into foster care so that we can have more foster families. And then more kids get a family. I'm like, wow, that sounds great. Except, guess what? Nobody's getting licensed to do foster care. So now you're just going to have a pile of money sitting in a bank somewhere. Oh, it won't just except there. The, except the group homes will be closed down. Right. So then where do those kids go? So now you've got people talking about social workers renting hotel rooms to keep kids in because they can't be in a group home because the group home closed down. Now, how is that any better? Yeah. And, and again, that's government trying to create a solution for a problem that they have no business even messing with at all. Agreed. Because the reality is if you want to put those kids in homes, the social workers need to be calling the church up. Hey, you got any any families mm -hmm. that are willing to do a background mm -hmm. check in a class that would be willing to, to take this kid in for a while? Guess what? The answer is going to be yes if you do that. But then they're going to get indoctrinated with that Christian doctrine. Mm -hmm. That causes them to give money to charity and you know do all these kind Help of things. Help people. God, Christians, God forbid. It makes the world better. We don't that want any that. of that happen. Morality, man. But but so so I mean uh, that's a practical way. I mean we're we're all Baptists in here. If you're listening to this and you're Southern Baptist. You, you need to be contacting the state convention and talking to Mark Smith, talking to Baptist Children's Home, because they have what they call the Families First Initiative right now, where um, they will come to your church and do classes at your church to state license you as a foster parent and then pay for your fees. So there's no excuse for you not to do it. So like if you're in a situation where, where you're like, you know, listen, I'm, I'm really pro-life and I want to help like what you're saying, Adam, you know. It's not just about going down to the abortion clinic. Maybe it's about saying, you know what? God's given me a house that's big enough that I have an extra bedroom in, and I would be willing to take a kid in that needs a kid or even do respite care. A lot of people don't realize these kids get pulled out of the system. They got to sleep somewhere that night, mm -hmm. and you could just be a respite family and say, hey, we only take kids for like on, on the weekend or something, but yeah, we'll give them a safe place to stay and some good food and some clothes and take care of them. There's all kinds of opportunities out there like that. Mm -hmm. Another thing is Baptist Children's Home mm -hmm. in North Carolina is like one of the best children's home organizations in the world. Mm -hmm. We've got one right down the street here in Clyde. Hill, yeah. Did you know they had to close one of their cottages down? Yep. Really? They had to close one of their cottages down because they didn't have any house parents. Aww. Now, house parents make like $40-some-thousand a year with full benefits, and they can't find any. Huh. Well, so, we, can, we can do better. 
Yeah. So, so, so I'm, but what I'm saying is that's practical. Like maybe you're listening to this and you're like retired and you're like, yeah, I could live there two, two weeks a, a, a month and, and make money and get benefits. I mean, it's a good job too, aside from that, but then you're getting to invest in these kids. So guess what? They had to close that cottage down and say, here's a whole group of kids that we're going to have to relocate somewhere else because we just don't have people that are willing to serve to, to do that right yeah, now. Sad. Um, it, it is sad. And, but you know what the good thing is? When the government's cu- cutting the funding for the group homes, Baptist Children's Home isn't closing because of that, because the churches give to them. Yep. Right. Mm. So they're able to tell the government, you know what, we don't need your help. They exist outside we'll of the do, government. We'll do it on your own. Yep. Which that's is the way. Possible? Which is that's the way that it should be. Yeah. You know. Right. And when I hear stuff like that, that makes me want to step up with my church and that's say, right. "Hey, we want to we want to get on board with that." Well, see, this year Pole Creek added Broyhill to our monthly giving, so they're now a line item on our budget. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. So because I mean. The federal government has actually cut some of their funding that I think they used to get. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and that's part of this initiative. They, yeah, they've so, taken the so hit. We've got to step up at this point, and I think it's actually a good thing. Cut cut ties with government and let the churches support the, the other. Holy the God. other things that I've yep. heard from them are for one, uh, if you're listening and you're and you're near one of these children's homes, you can invite them to come visit your church. Yeah. Just invite them to come worship with you on Sunday morning and feed them lunch afterwards. Yeah. Just to encourage those kids and say, hey, you know, uh, we don't know what your circumstances are, but we love you. We want you to hear about Christ. We want to just encourage you, encourage those workers in the children's home, mm-hmm. you know, uh, g- give them the stuff they need. There's a lot of basic stuff that a lot of people don't realize when these kids get into the system, they come with nothing. Most of them will come with a trash bag, and most of that's like stuff that has to get thrown out. So they might not have clothes. They might not have bedding. They might not have anything. And so there's a lot of simple things that you can do. And see, that's the answer to the the liberal argument of well, what are you going to do with them when they get here? Right. Well, you don't, or Chris, you don't really care about them. Christians actually are doing stuff more a than lot. more than you are. Yeah, more than you are. <laughs> so, so quit using that burnout, old, tired argument, yeah. and let's actually talk about the value of every life. Right. I mean, I know that. Anyone who argues for abortion, I think they would argue that their life is valuable. I think they would argue that their mother did not choose abortion when they were in utero. So, so why don't we extend the favor? You know, you know, you know what I didn't realize too is is uh, Baptist Children's Home actually has adult homes for adults with disabilities. A lot lot of people don't realize that, and a lot of times the Alberta Bullock Home, which is I believe in Asheville, is an adult care facility. and sometimes those places get overlooked because people think more about the kids, but again, that ministry is still there, and I can tell you as somebody who who has worked in that industry, Mm -hmm. um, it's a mess. I mean, you got people out there, the government's wanting to pay people $9 an hour to work with a 50-year-old guy that can't speak and likes to bite people and fight people. And they want you to, to go work for nine or ten dollars an hour with this guy yeah. to help him take a shower, help him do whatever. And and the secular world is just kind of like, forget it. I'm not helping these people. I'm not doing any of that. So you know who the ones are? It's believers it's that are Christians. stepping in there saying, I'm not doing it for the money. I just I believe that this person is valuable. And they deserve I think to be that, cared for. Exactly. That's why hospitals exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't realize this until recently. Did you know that that um, it was uh, Martin Luther? That his wife uh, uh, and he were instrumental in uh, the invention of modern nursing. Oh, yeah. That she, she operated a boarding home, including after he died, and, and brought uh, brought people in and boarded them. But during the plague, they uh, they actually had deaconesses in their church that would go into the homes and administer medicine, and that they were actually some of the ones that discovered like uh, fumigation for viruses. I was reading. There's a great book about this. It's called um, uh, Faith in the Time of Plague. 
and it's actually about COVID and um, it's the forward is actually by a, a, a believer who's also a virologist that writes about it. But he was saying historically in the history of medicine, Christians have always been on the forefront of uh, inventing new techniques and uh, fighting disease and that most pandemics throughout history, the, the majority of care that was provided through that was actually through the church. Who was it? It Amen. was back in the way back in the day. He was like, let's eliminate Christians, but we can't because if we do, then no one's going to take care of the sick. <laughs> I forgot who that was. I don't was, know, but that makes a Caesars. lot of sense. Um, yeah. But you were talking about little things you can do. Um, our church, we um, there's a crisis center downtown Asheville that uh, I know we, we have been supporting, but I had the opportunity to go to um, right before Christmas. And um, you talking about an eye-opener. I mean, these are the most abused children in society. Uh, I saw one girl who, um, she was, I think, 12. Um, she had been raped over 40 times. Oh, um, one one girl um, had been pimped out by her uncle uh, and I mean, she had been raped, and I mean, these are some of the most abused children. And you were talking about they show up with nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, what our church, when I went in there, it like the, the the thing that got me, there was a sixteen year old girl that came up to me and she said, uh, "Are you bringing things for Christmas?" And I said, "Maybe." And I, you know, I smiled, and she goes, "All I want for Christmas is a candy cane." And mm -hmm. I was like. So my mom starts crying right then, runs out to her car, brings a whole box of candy. I, I told my mom, I was like, I don't know that she can have them, but there. So we gave her. But but what we've realized is, is that crisis center, when it comes around the holidays, they get, you know, a pretty good support, but it's throughout the year. The kids are coming mm -hmm. through there all the time. And so what we're trying to do is every month, just basic needs, socks, underwear, deodorant, and even suitcases because mm -hmm. they don't have anything. And, uh, and you were talking about the bureaucracy and the government to hear the stories with some of those kids. It's insane how, how things are handled with some of these kids. Right. It's like, well, the, the case isn't that strong. You're going back and, mm -hmm. and, and just these. Yeah. So with these places, you know, I know Christmas is the time that a lot of people will jump on board. I want to help. I want to do things, but there's things every single day that your church or you as an individual can do at these crisis centers. I know mountain area pregnancy services, there's things you can do for them yeah. on a daily basis. Even so, just simply taking diapers, you know, that simple buying diapers and dropping them off. That's simple. And, and, and with inflation and stuff, I know we joke about that, but that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of people don't realize, like, like if you've never uh, worked with low income people, food stamps don't pay for diapers and wipes. Right. Which mm -hmm. is insane. Um, so you got people that are on food stamps. They might be able to go get groceries, but they can't get diapers for their kids. Yeah, or I didn't realize that's basic, close. No, that's basic. Need it only pays for food. Patient. And there, there's some other programs yeah, that they might be able yeah. to get. But at the same time, with it being government, it's again, it's imprecise. So like I've seen people that you know they they slip through the cracks where they're doing everything right. Uh, another thing, another thing that a lot of people don't realize is uh, childcare is is a desperate need right now. Mm -hmm. That's a huge opportunity for the church mm -hmm. uh, to step up in the, in the community yep. is through childcare. Start daycare. I, start I mean, schools. my wife and I have personally known a family, single mom, multiple kids, uh, living at, living at homeless shelters. Right. And everybody, everybody thinks, you know, well, you know, they just want to be homeless. Well, some people do. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people do actually, mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen to everybody. Sometimes people just circumstances happen. This woman, was a stay-at-home mom with her kids that got put out of the house. Well, what's she supposed to go do? So guess what? The government 
was able to help her by giving her a voucher for childcare and saying, Hey, we'll, we'll pay for hundred percent of your childcare at the childcare center that has a waiting list with 300 kids on it. So guess what? She can't go get a job. So everybody's, well, you need to go get a job. She could get a job right now. Who's going to watch her kids? What's she going to do with the kids? Who's going to watch her kids? Yeah. Right? And if she leaves them home by themselves, guess what? She gets charged with neglect and they take the kids anyways. Exactly. So, so, so then, uh, so then where, where does the church step up in that? Well, if she's in a local church, right? Again, the local church is the solution Mm -hmm. to society's problems. Then there's a, there's a sweet older lady that says, you know what? You just drop them off at my house, honey, and I'll, I'll take care of them. I'll cook for them and all that. Or I'll, or, or I can drop them off at school and pick them up at school and, and keep them at my house for a couple hours of a safe person that they can go be with. And guess what? That's the difference between that mom getting a job, buying her own vehicle, getting her own house, getting the things that she needs. And you want to know how people get out of poverty. That's It's even yeah. something simple as y'all can come watch TV at my house for a couple hours. It's to walk yeah. with somebody. I, we yeah. serve at It's the, dirty. Oh, absolutely. And hard and long. We serve at the Transformation Village um, in Asheville. We serve there every month food, and we've been active with them. And it's nothing but uh, women and children. And uh, some of the programs that they have there is incredible. I mean, they've got uh, – they teach them. There's classes they take, and, and it really is a rehab place. It's not just a homeless shelter. They really try to rehabilitate them. But to close this thing up, I, I want to go around here because this is something that I've often been asked Um in a, what do you hope to see with abortion? Because it, it, it is a complex question, but what do you hope to see with abortion? I, for me personally, I, I want to see it eradicated. I want to see it exactly. uh, become Ill- illegal, e- illegal yep. in the United States. Yeah, illegalize Pe- it. And people will say, well, the coat hangers will come back out. Well, you know. That's a, another fallacious argument because... <laughs> Just because you know people will do it anyways, should we legalize m- murder? <laughs> and and if which, you look at the san- if you look at the sanitation standards, yeah. some of these places aren't better than a coat hanger, anyways. Cool. Well, should should we legalize rape so it could be done in a safe environment? Well, it's like Mark- I mean, it's the same difference. Drug use, yeah. clean drug needle, use, clean and the program. government actually is embracing that. Yep. And what I say with that is is um, should we wear PPE? Uh, for murder, a murderer should wear the proper PPE yeah. so they don't hurt themselves while murdering. Right. That's right. that's the same. See, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a poor it's argument. Chance. It's illogical. Yeah. The idea that you should legalize something so it can be done safely, even though it's morally wrong. Right. It's stupid. Ron Paul. Know? Ron Paul, in one of his yeah. books, uh, defining uh, liberty, uh, he talked about something, and this is where some people just have a fit. But one of the things he talked about is that if you if you make abortion illegal, that over time behavior would change. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That people that. wouldn't be as promiscuous. They still would. There I mean, will always be a percentage, a very small percentage yeah. of people who advocate for it and do it and allow it. I mean, you think even back to the Roman times. I mean, there was infanticide. There yep. was things mm-hmm. like that. It's always been around, yep. and it probably always be will be. But yeah. you have to admit this. That if a woman does not have a place to go to have it done, people who say, oh, it's okay and it's going to be safe, probably 80% of the women who have abortions, if not 90, would not be willing to do an illegal abortion on the street. Right. I mean, because you're making it convenient for them. Yep. You know? And with birth control, with all well, of these things. The, the other, the other pro- problem fundamentally is, is, well, if we can't have perfect justice, then why try? Yeah. That's basically the argument. You don't do that with anything else in the law. Right. You know, well, you know, a lot of people speed, so let's just take the signs down. Or, you know, hey, you know, rape is going to rape. You know, 
nobody's making those arguments no one is but when it comes to abortion it's like well you know what about that one woman okay well then that woman gets punished and that doctor gets punished for what they're doing and all the rest of it's going to stop and that's what and that's what i was asking restricted you know i think it should be illegal Mm -hmm. i think that if a doctor performs it if illegal they should be convicted Mm -hmm. of murder and have their license revoked what about the woman that's been that's something that has often been brought up. What about the woman? Should she be charged with a crime? If she knowingly consented, I agree. Then I think she should be punished. I agree. But if she was somehow uh, manipulated or she was ignorant of which, the facts, which I guys think are a part of that, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, you got to go have this done. I'll pay for it. You yeah. know, let's just go get this mm-hmm. abortion. Yeah. Blah blah blah. You know, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so the father, if yeah. he's found out to be an accomplice, yeah. I think it should be treated like murder. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. I mean, if, as long as there's not a, a strong level of ignorance, because I do believe that a lot of women are subject to that because they believe what they're told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've never been educated on, hey, that baby in your belly is alive. I, I've personally talked with women mm-hmm. who who were pressured into having abortions. Yes. And at the time, were not, not really totally aware of what was going on or were told you know everything's fine. It's I think not that really a baby. It can't feel anything. Yes. You're, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's just a clump of cells. It's not even that developed yet. Like if you do it now early, it's not really a big deal. And then afterwards, the the depression and the mental illness and the substance abuse of trying to cope with, you know, deep now, deep down inside, I know. And now, now, now you've got like, uh, like on TikTok and all that, you got these shout your abortion mm-hmm. women that that are just loud and proud about it. That's they're murderers. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, they're unapologetic and, and they fully right. know what they've done. And that's why I'm saying, you know, yeah, I, and I agree with what you guys are saying. If if a woman is coerced into doing something, I mean, that, that's like somebody putting a gun to my head and telling me I got to go rob a store. Be, and that is can it really my fault? I can that yeah. can be investigated just like any other crime. Because I've heard some yeah. people say, well, like a miscarriage. Well, would you? Would you? A woman who it naturally miscarried. Well, the, the intent, the intent is right. not, and that can be investigated. Right. Yeah. These things can be investigated. Well, I think, I think a miscarriage be. should be treated as seriously as a, of a death of a human being as if it was a 40 year old mm-hmm. gunshot victim. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a human. Right. Let's go ahead and value the baby in the womb mm-hmm. to the same level and let's have a full investigation. Right. You know, if there is a miscarriage and there's a, an authenticated uh, child living in that, that woman, well, maybe she should go in and just make sure there's no bruises around the stomach, make sure no one inflicted the harm on that mm-hmm. baby because that baby is worth protecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let, I mean, even if we have to change the constitution, you know, to say at the moment of conception, you have Amen. rights. Amen. You know, I mean, and I'm sure the founders, if they had known what we're doing today, they would have made sure to put those words well, in the Well, if you would have asked them whether a baby was a person, that would have been an easy question. Oh, my goodness. Them. Yeah. The, the, it's assumed. They never intended for this yeah, to be the, the right, the, the pursuit yeah. of life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness being inalienable rights. Uh, the idea of a baby not being considered a part of that categorically w- w- would not have been in their mind. It's a manipulation. That. That's all it is. Yeah. And and the other thing too, and I think the, kind of the broad the broader um, perspective on this is uh, the more that the church exercises its influence in society, the easier these things become. Because the only reason that we even have a concept of personhood or liberty or anything like that is because of the influence of Christianity on Western civilization. That's correct. If you go back and look at the Roman Empire, the majority of them, uh, uh, statistically, Romans had smaller families if they were not Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it, it's it's like it's parallel. 
And so they had a they had a board board efficient herbal medications and things like that, that that they could take to try to cause a miscarriage, or they just killed their children by exposure. They would just take them out in the woods or trash dump or whatever and throw them out there. And then the Christians kept coming and snatching them up and and adopting them and raising them and all this kind of stuff. And and that's where you said where the Romans were basically like, well, you know, the Christians pay their taxes and they're serving others and they're providing medical we care and need, they're adopting. We kind of need them. <laughs> the only the only thing they could get them on is not offering incense to Caesar. It's yeah. like uh, it, they're not even being rebellious. They're actually the best citizens we have. They just yeah. won't throw this incense in the bowl. And so they're they're not on our side politically. They won't worship Caesar. That's really all they had on us. Mm. But you look at okay, so how how did the idea of abortion even uh, become a question because all throughout history, even even in Canaanite religion, child sacrifice, all that kind of stuff was totally no, the norm. Mm-hmm. The only reason why that has ever not been a thing is because of the influence of the Judeo-Christian worldview on society. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of the way that we fix it is through something like legislation, but, but the larger strategy is not just legislation, it's Christianization. Mm-hmm. Right. The reality is, is if the majority of people in your community are converted to Christ and believe the Bible and what the Bible teaches about personhood. Even if abortion was legal, it would go away. It would because nobody would want it. That's right. Yeah. And so the, the the problem is, is that uh, we have to attack it from multiple angles, right? You attack it from the pregnancy care center, and you attack it from speaking to moms that are going into the abortion clinic. You attack it with your social media speaking from out, doing pit. things like what we're doing right yeah. now. You attack it in those ways, but the reality is, is even if you don't know if that the, yeah that woman that you share the gospel with tomorrow might be pregnant and you don't know it and she's she's contemplating that and what's going to save that baby is not even you preaching about abortion necessarily it might just be preaching Jesus right. and in that process of submitting to him and wh- what does god say a person is and going by his definition and his worldview, it's it solves the problem. Right. And so we we have to remember because because it's easy to get into this social gospel. Well, I serve and I volunteer and I do these things. That's all great. You should be doing that. But don't forget that if you're not actually preaching the gospel, you're not dealing with the root of the mm-hmm. of the issue. Right. And that's how I was going to close it. The gospel's the answer. Period. Mm-hmm. You that's know, right. we can fight for legislation when we should. We should voice. We should vote. Um, but the gospel is what's going to change people's hearts. That's right. And, you know, I, I love what you said about the church influencing in, in the society. And that's, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've around election time, we discussed this uh, at length about Christians getting so fired up about politicians. And so, you know, but let's get fired up about Jesus because mm-hmm. that's, what's going to change. Honestly, truly mm-hmm. change society, not Trump, not Biden, not whoever, mm-hmm. Uh, it is only Jesus, and um, because he he says that all lives matter, and um, and that's what we're all about. And you know, I know that uh, I know that we've been passionate. I'm passionate. We're all passionate about this. And um, you know, if you're listening to this and you've gone through this or you're thinking about this, listen. God's grace is there for you. Amen. His forgiveness that's is there right. for you. He loves you, uh, and He loves you. And you know, as Christians, man, let's be about Jesus and taking this thing forward. Let's pray. Let's pray that the Supreme Court um, rules that that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional, yes. uh, and and let's eliminate. And that's just, that doesn't mean that it's going to stop, it's, mm-hmm. but it is a step in that's the right direction. Forward. That's a huge victory. And so we need to be yep. praying as believers. But um, but I hope that you've enjoyed this. I hope that this has been helpful to you. Um, and um, you know, 
again, we're passionate about it, but that's what it's all about. So we love you guys and we hope to see you next week. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. 